But even though he wasn't able to see his face, he received a revelation from the Lord, a greater revelation of who God was, as much as God revealed to him at that point in time. And Moses was the only one that got that revelation. All the people that he was with, we learned that he had a desire to know God. And it's written there in Exodus that Moses sought to know the Lord's ways. And he had a relationship with God that was far above what anyone of his counterparts had. There was a predecessor uh, or a successor that he had, which was Joshua, who also sought to know the Lord. And we see that God revealed himself to them in a greater measure. And I was thinking about this because the Lord desires for us to have a deeper walk with him than what we have. And we're all growing in different places, spiritually speaking. But we can have a deeper revelation of Jesus if we seek it with all our heart and we don't want to become content we don't want to be content with where we're at spiritually and think that we we know about Jesus and we've read our Bibles and you know we're trying to do the best we can but we want to come to know a greater have a greater knowledge of Jesus himself and Jesus even said in Matthew 13 that the secrets and the mysteries of the kingdom would be revealed to certain people. And when Jesus spoke in parables, it was for that reason that he would hide the greater revelations and mysteries of the kingdom from those who weren't really seeking for more of him. So they would hear the stories, just like we hear them, or read our Bibles, or hear them in church. <clears throat> and then there were some that were really hungry. You know, I told you guys, like, sometimes I see this in Teen Challenge where I'm sharing with certain individuals, and there are some that I can tell they're really hungry and they're really searching and they come afterwards and they sit down and they ask questions and they, they're they so thirsty and I can see it, you know, and I, can, I, I see what Jesus meant when he said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. And uh, one of the brothers who was like that was Tyson and you guys, some of you here got to hear his testimony a few weeks ago. And it's amazing the difference that it makes when someone is searching and hungry and they see their need for Jesus. To be thirsty and hungry, you first have to come to the place where you're poor in spirit and you know that you're not where you should be and your heart is desperate for Jesus. And, and <clears throat> when we come near to Jesus, he's faithful to give us more of a revelation of who he is. And that brings a cleansing in our heart from sin. So <clears throat> in Exodus uh, 19... It says there that Moses went up to the mountain to the Lord. And the people that were there, they weren't allowed to come within a certain distance. They had to set boundary stones. Interesting thing. All the way around this mountain. And God said, if anyone would pass on beyond this point, God would break out against them and they would die. And what would the reason be for that? Because the people weren't consecrated. The Lord said, consecrate yourself before you come near to me. It was only Moses who could come all the way to the top of the mountain because Moses had that deeper relationship. He was set apart from all the rest. He was like a man that was, I would say, cleansing himself and purifying himself. He was talking with God 
every day. He was, God said, you can come near to me. So close that he would let Moses see his image, but not his face. And uh, there's a verse here that says, just to show you, that God actually makes a separation to those who draw near to him, to those who kind of come at a distance. They want to serve the Lord, but there's a, there's a distance there. And um, it says here that in verse Exodus 19.21, it says, The Lord spoke to Moses and said, Go down, warn the people, lest they break through to the Lord to gaze, and many of them perish. So they wanted to see. They wanted to see more of, of the Lord, but the Lord said they can't break through and gaze on me. They're not consecrated. They're not, their heart is, is not ready to come before me. Yet Moses was able to draw near so I thought about that, you know, that distinction that the Lord made there for those people. Was it the Lord's desire that he had to separate those people? I think the Lord would love it that if they could have drawn near and closer to him. But it was really only Moses who was able to come close and not die. So as I was thinking about that, because of that song we sang, uh, John Wesley had this revelation. If I, you know, it was like Moses, and I wanted to see the glory of the Lord, and but he said, you can't see my face. John Wesley was a guy that said, if Moses could come and see your backward parts, I would like to go even farther and see your face, you know? John Wesley was a man who loved God, and he was a mighty preacher of God. And uh, one day he also had a revelation. He got filled with the Spirit. And it happened when he was on this boat. Many of you know the story where he was with the Moravians. I believe it was the Moravians. And they were some Spirit-filled people, that uh, they had something that even John Wesley, he was a preacher, he was preaching, but he didn't have an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And one day when he was in this boat, they were crossing some sea and, the, and there was a storm, and it was a treacherous storm, and the whole boat was going down, it was going to sink. And he looked and he saw all these Moravians singing hymns and praising God, and he thought, surely, you know, the men, they're, they're thinking they're strong enough to swim, but he looked and he saw it was the women and the children. They were singing too and praising God and they weren't afraid. And he thought he was the only one who was scared. And he realized, why am I so terrified? Yet all these women and children and have complete trust in God. And at that point, he realized that he needed something more. And he knelt down and began to pray and call on the Lord. And he had an encounter with the Spirit of God and he got filled with the Spirit. And he overcame some of those fears. It's kind of like when the, the disciples were afraid when persecution came until they received the Holy Spirit. It was almost like that. So John Wesley wrote this song and he said, you know, Lord, I want more of you because he was a man like that. And, but if I can only see your backward parts and if I have to see your face and die, then so be it, right? I want to see your face. So he wrote this song, Let Me See Your Face and Die. And it's a revelation because... The only way we can really see more of Jesus is if we die to ourselves. And that's the reason why the people of Israel couldn't come near, yet Moses could, because it has to do with dying to ourself, <clears throat> to dying to our soul life, our life in this world. And if we want to live our life for ourselves, but we want to serve Jesus, we won't be able to see the face of Jesus. We won't get a revelation of Jesus Christ. But if we're willing to lay down our ambitions and our pleasures and our desires, you know, we all have the pressures of those things pushing on our heart. And we make priorities in our life, what is important to us. And we pursue those things that are important, and we put the other things that are less important lower down. 
And God says it's the same way. If you put him first place, he's going to let you come closer and draw near like Moses. You get to see more of him. But if Jesus isn't the first place, he's just in a place, well then we'll be off at a distance and we won't get to see his face so clearly. So we come to a place here in the New Testament where God selected a few brothers to come near to him. Matthew chapter 17. I want to read this to you. We know that God doesn't show partiality, right? But we do know that Jesus made a distinction between certain, even of the, of the 12 disciples. He selected the three of them to draw near to him when he went to Mount Sinai. So take it like this. In the Old Covenant, we see a picture of Mount Sinai and God coming down in a fire and trumpet blast. And who was up there? It was only Moses, right? And all the, everyone else was down on the bottom because God said he would break out against them. Now in the New Covenant, Jesus comes. And there's another mountain. And it's the mount where he transfigures himself. And on this mountain, he only takes Peter, James, and John to the top of the mountain. And some of the others, he stayed back. And, think, and if I was some of the 12, I would be like, hey, how come, how come Jesus took those guys and he's not taking me? <laughs> but then I would have to think, wait a minute, it's Jesus. I mean, he's, he doesn't, he's not sinning. Why is he picking those guys? I mean, is it me? Right? We, we can't start pointing and say, well, how come he got selected and I didn't get picked? And sometimes we can get that jealousy thinking, well, how come that brother or that sister has got this or is that? But God doesn't show partiality. <clears throat> the Bible even says when, when he gives gifts to men, it says the Holy Spirit chooses as he wills. As the Spirit wills, he gives certain gifts to certain individuals. But I think that those who are hungry for Jesus, who want Jesus more than anything else, they're not even looking for the gifts. God gives them those things because he knows they want me, and I know that I can empower them to use, like John Wesley, the Holy Spirit, to write those wonderful songs and hymns and preach the gospel in a way that can impact people because they want to know me. And that's why Moses got a glimpse of the Lord. And, you know, he got to part the sea and do all those great miracles, but it was that Moses wanted to know Jesus more than all those things. So this is my, I guess, question for you is, and for myself is, do I, am I willing to lay all those things down just to know Jesus more, to make him first place so that I can come a little closer to him? Listen to what it says here in Matthew 17, verse 1. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, and his brother, and he brought them up to a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his garments became white as the light. Doesn't that kind of sound like a a parallel to Mount Sinai? When I read that, I thought, that that sounds like a parallel. It's like, here, um, Jesus is, is, is manifesting his glory. On Mount Sinai, Moses manifested his glory. On Mount Sinai, Moses got to see the, a little bit of the glory of who God was. And what did, what did the Lord say to Moses? He said, the Lord, the Lord your God is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding loving kindness and truth, full of mercy, showing mercy to thousands of those who love him and, and keep his commandments. <clears throat> and he gave a description of his nature, of the nature of who he was to Moses so he could see who God was. Here on Mount Sinai, we see Jesus now revealing his glory to Peter, James, and John. These were some of the closest disciples, the ones that were 
you know, in the, when they sat at the table, table, Peter and John was there leaning on Jesus' bosom. They just wanted to be close to Jesus. And Jesus brought them there and he showed them his glory as though he were in the other side of eternity. Right? His face shone like the sun. <clears throat> in fact, it says in Matthew 13, verse 43, that when Jesus separates out um, all the wicked from the righteous, it says the righteous will shine forth like the sun. Right? So it's a picture of the glorified body. So here Jesus is revealing his glorified body. He sh- his face is literally shining like the sun. That is how our bodies will be one day when we see Jesus. If we're living for him, we'll shine like the sun. So they're seeing a picture. <clears throat> you know how encouraging that would be? <clears throat> it's like, you know, you need a boost, a spiritual boost. I can imagine they would have got a major spiritual boost. Seeing Jesus shining like that, like, wow, what am I living for? I mean, you would see that and you would think, what am I living for? Like, this is amazing. This is what they saw. <clears throat> and guess who was there? Moses, <clears throat> Elijah, they also appeared with Jesus. <clears throat> and Peter, he said, Jesus, Lord, it is good to be here. If you want, we'll make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Well, <clears throat> it didn't take long for him to start talking. He was kind of babbling, not even knowing what he was saying. And it says in another place, it says, for he did not know what he was saying. You ever wonder how uh, Peter knew that it was Moses and Elijah? Had he ever seen them before? Did he have a photograph? <laughs> did they have artists drawing pictures of, how did he know this was Moses and Elijah? It must have been a revelation. It was like a, a vision in, in his spirit. He perceived this is Moses and this is Elijah. He just knew. It was a vision. And he started talking. We need to make huts for them and camp out, have some great fellowship. And immediately while he was saying that, it, the Lord spoke. And it says, uh, while he was still speaking, so while he's talking, you know, it's Moses Elijah, and then boom, a light appeared. <clears throat> a bright cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. That's the voice he heard. So he's talking, and he's all excited. Wow, Moses, Elijah. And then the voice comes. But this is my son. Listen to him. You see the perspective there? Sometimes we get caught up when we see, with our eyes, we see things, and we think, wow, that's cool. I don't want to be like that. Or we see, we can look maybe and see a godly person or God working in something, and we're excited about that. But we're missing the, greater, the greatest giver of all things, and that's Jesus Christ. And while he was all excited about Elijah and Moses, the father was saying, I have someone greater than Moses. And greater than Elijah. It's Jesus. And he's, he's right here beside you. And you're not doing one thing. Because I don't think the father would have said, listen to him if they, weren't, if they were listening to him. I think he was trying to tell them, you're, you're not listening. Like spiritual ears, like listening from inside to what he wants to tell you, what he wants to show you. You're hanging out and having fellowship. It's kind of like, you know, we can, sometimes we hear things and we have fellowship, but we're not hearing it, right? We're not hearing it. So this is what the Lord is telling me, and I, and I hope encourages you that when we're singing these songs, that we're listening to the words. When we're hearing the word of God, that we're listening to what Jesus is saying to me, right? The, the inner things in my life that he, the Lord wants to deal with. Because... This is the message, really. It was one message. I mean, they saw this cloud. And can you imagine, after seeing a vision like that, you would tell someone, so what happened? 
wow, we saw Moses and we saw Elijah, cool, and then we saw the cloud. Anything else? Yeah, we heard God say something. What did he say? Oh, yeah, what was it again? Oh, yeah, he said, I'm supposed to listen to Jesus. Oh, well, that's important. What has he been telling you? Uh, yeah, a lot of things. We better figure out what he said. Do you know what Jesus said right before that happened? Who knows what he said right before that happened? I think it must be important. I think they must have missed what Jesus said right before this because the message on the mountain was, you better listen to what he says. And they probably didn't get it. So let's go back and find out. So, in verse 24, Jesus said, Matthew 16, Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wishes to come after who? Me. Do you want to see the face of God? Do you know who the face of God is, by the way? Moses couldn't see his face. And here's why I think why. Because one, we know that you can't see God's face and die. But I also believe it was also a revelation that the face of God who is Jesus, because Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Do you know there's a verse in 2 Corinthians, I'll share this with you here, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, that says, I'll read it to you, verse 6, For God who said, Light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. What does that mean? The knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. It means what Moses couldn't see, the face of God, of God was, is now revealed in Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? We get to see what Moses didn't see through the face of Christ. That's what the song is about. Did you know that? That John Wesley wrote? He said, let me fee- see your face and die. And he wrote, the fullness of the Godhead is now in bodily form. That's in the verse. The fullness of the Godhead, what Moses couldn't see, is now in Jesus. And John Wesley said, now we have it. We get to partake of the divine nature. He said, that is what the face of God was, is to know Jesus and have Jesus living inside of you. So are you content with the relationship you have with Jesus, or would you like to have Christ in you, a, a revelation where you see his face and you're like, wow. Because when you see his face, one thing's going to happen is you're going to be dead to your ambitions and your desires and your passions that you're waiting for and hoping for and desiring and, and not finding satisfaction because it's all filled in Jesus. So, <clears throat> let's keep reading. Jesus said, if anyone wishes to come to me, you want to know Jesus? Here's how you do it. Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. That's the reason why only Moses could get to the top of the mountain. That's the reason why Peter, James, and John got to go a little closer and get a revelation of him because they were willing. Peter and James and John, anyone know what they denied? What are those three disciples denied specifically that we know? When Jesus called them and said, come for me and I'll make you fishers of men, what did they drop? Their nets, right? They denied their life. They denied their, their fishing careers. And Jesus said, whoever comes and follow me, I'm going to give him a hundred times more. And here they are. And they get a revelation of Jesus. Isn't that awesome? If you let something go for Jesus, do you think he's going to let you down and give you something less? He's going to give you something greater. They got to see a vision of Jesus. And so he said, if you want to come to me, take up your cross, deny yourself, and follow me. Whoever wishes to save his life, and as you've heard in 
maybe some sermons before, that word is soul. Save your soul. That word soul means what you want. You know, what you want in this world. You say, you know, I have all my priorities of what is important. I need this, 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 this. These are the things I want. Are you willing to put Jesus on top of that in the first place and deny that, to have him, more of him? It's not easy to do that. There's so much pressure in the world to, to, to hang on to those things. But Jesus said, if you save your life, you actually lose it. Perfect example is Lot's wife, right? She looked back. She wanted all that she had there, and she looked back. She lost her life. But Jesus said, whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For whatever, what is it, what will, what will a man be profited, rather, if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? What, a, what would you give in exchange to see Jesus? You give something that's more important? He said, for the Son of Man is coming in the glory of, of his Father with his angels, and he's going to give to every man according to his deeds. But some are standing here who, who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. And you know, Jesus gave them a little picture of that in the next part that we read, the transfiguration. They saw a picture of Jesus, a glimpse of him in his kingdom, right? And you know, when you see his face, you can't taste death until you see his face, right? Jesus said, some of you won't taste death until I come in my kingdom. And then, that's the very thing John Wesley wanted. Let me see your face and then I'll die. I'll taste it. And Peter said, Lord, I'll never deny you. But then he did. Because he had to realize, I can't do anything without Jesus. And he came to the place where he realized he needed Jesus more than anything else. And then he got filled with the Holy Spirit. And he got a deeper relationship with Jesus. One where he was, the next, shortly thereafter, he was praying on the top of his roof. And he's like, Lord, what do you want me to do today? I mean, I can do all kinds of things. But Lord, today I want to do your will. And the Lord showed him in a vision. I have a plan for you today. I'm going to go and I want you to go to witness to Cornelius. He really loves me. Do you want to be used by God like that? get a vision of Jesus and then all of a sudden you can have a close relationship and you can see a vision or you can pray and God can speak in your inner ear and say, this is what I want you to do today. And you know, we can ask God to give us a greater revelation. Like what happened with these disciples. And when, when the Lord showed up, they saw something and they heard a message in a voice. And this is the, this is the message that we is just listen to Jesus. Like Peter, we can, God will tell us what to do, when to speak, how to, who to pray for. And your life is exciting, right? Things happen. Things happen. We were hearing good reports this week, different things. And then it's exciting to serve Jesus. You want to draw closer. But if we're not drawing closer, it's easy to get consumed in our life. We get so consumed in our life, we miss out on, on the kingdom. Well, all of a sudden, it says the disciples heard this, and they fell on their faces, and they were afraid. They got things in perspective. Whoa, we heard a voice here. We hit the floor. Boom. Hit the ground. No more Moses. No more Elijah. It says, they lifted up their eyes. They saw no one except Jesus. That's all we need to see, right? Hebrews chapter 12 says, fix, we have been surrounded by a cloud of witnesses, but what we're supposed to do is fix our eyes on Jesus. That's who we need to listen to. He wants to speak to you. He wants to speak to me. He wants us to go deeper, to know him more. And Jesus said to them, tell the vision to no one until the Son of Man has risen from the dead. They saw a vision there. He said, you, you can tell people about this, but wait until I rise from the dead. And there's a testimony. And that to me is like, when Christ rises up in your life and you have a testimony, then you can start telling people what God's showing you, right? So, 
you know, we need to tell them about Jesus. We need to tell them about Jesus and tell them that he can set us free and deliver us from our sins and save us and forgive us. That's the most important thing.